I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And, and this, this is, is Grits. Grits. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> Hi. Hello. We're back. All right. Second time we've kind of fallen off the schedule and gotten back. back you know, on. it's a re- it's an annual thing now. I yeah. think people, you know, it's our fa- the gritty the gritty fans out there. They are excited that we're back. We've been basically being street harassed uh, <laughs> most weeks asking when the pod is returning so Anna and I are it, it was a 2020 priority for me and my new year's resolution to continue this pod because we feel it is valuable to not only our friendship but also the general welfare of the world <laughs> <laughs> so just briefly we We've decided as a gritty unit that uh, the episodes moving forward, there are going to be um, less time and more focused on really what's going on in, in our world. Um, and then we're also going to provide some calls to action and what people, how people can get involved with, with uh, the advocacy that we're doing in our, in our own lives. So um, we're really excited about the new format. Hopefully we'll, we will, once again, the goal, bi-weekly, um, with additional episodes of my mom who is... Uh, will continue to be our gritty travel correspondent. She's currently at a mineral and gem show in Sedona, Arizona, um, wearing all of her turquoise baubles. So can't wait to hear that update. All right, Anna, life updates. What's been going so on since like, August of um, 2019? Yeah, it's been like six months. Um, I'm in my new house still. I think I, we yeah, shared really, that on the yeah. last episode. Um, I'm now getting married <sighs> June 6th in Nashville. Just a little bit of a change. <laughs> For those of you who we just released an episode from the vault, the gritty vault, as as one calls it, uh, Anna was uh, considering a wedding in Italy. So, yeah, uh, for various for various uh, reasons, we are no longer doing that. <laughs> but we're gonna have a twice as expensive blowout wedding in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> instead of a uh, but George a and Amal will be able to come to this one <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. um one. yeah I'm pretty bummed but it's okay I'm, I'm gonna make the best of it and what else has happened block grants took up my <laughs> sucked my soul out from the day before I think for those of you to- who are not healthcare policy people what is a block grant Anna oh it's just a um proposal that so first, it started in the legislature with the bill, and then um, asking our our Medicaid agency to submit a proposal to the federal powers that be to fundamentally change our, our basically our funding structure of of our Medicaid program called TenCare. It's it's a a dragon that we can't quite slay. It's come up um, in quite a few different iterations throughout the years, but basically block grants are pushed by the federal government so that they can spend less money on programs. So it's just a vehicle to reduce healthcare spending for the poorest among us. Yes. And they they have succeeded in the past with, uh, you know, block grants on the TANF program, which is uh, oftentimes called welfare. And that's greatly reduced the amount of families that benefit from that. And so they're trying to do the same thing. They tried in 2017, what, four times, five times. <laughs> they tried in every budget. You know, they keep trying to block grant Medicaid. But our state was the only one brave enough to submit a proposal that would 
in turn make it harder for them to care for their state's residents. So, um, yeah, but now we know from some recent guidance from the federal government that they kind of left Tennessee out to dry on this one. And, you know, it's not really legally feasible for um, our proposal as it was written to go into effect. They kind of left Tennessee out to dry and provided guidance that means our proposal is not not going to happen. Um, and, it, and so that's good news for us because we spent quite a lot of energy on a state and federal comment period trying to stop it. Yeah, that's, that's basically taken, <laughs> taken over my life <laughs> um, since, I don't know, April or something of last year. Yeah. What about you? Well, since August, let's see here. Uh, I'm trying to think of any big life updates. I got bangs. <laughs> That's actually bangs and bigger grants. than anything bangs I've done. Bangs and block grants, ladies and gentlemen. No, I've, I, um, I've just been, you know, building, uh, trying to build some campaign infrastructure and electoral space to take on Mitch McConnell in Kentucky. So I've been running around uh, Kentucky a lot these past few months, um, building relationships, coalition building with other organizations. I went to Colombia, which was wonderful. Uh I can we might have to have an episode on Latin American politics because that is something very close to my heart. Went with my boyfriend Chris. We had an excellent time. Ate a lot of empanadas, um, which are gluten free for mm. those of you wanting to know. Um, learned a lot about uh, the conflict in in their country and how it's been perpetuated by United States interference uh, and foreign involvement. Let's see what else. Personally, oh, my family went to Portugal. Lots of travels. It's been yeah. lots of. It's been a big travel year. When I'm, I'm very lucky. And then I spent uh, Christmas in Austin, hanging out with my freshman college roommates, which I have a terrible memory, and so I was reliving um, what a what a terrible freshman roommate I was, um, <laughs> leaving dirty dishes everywhere, showing up, you know, you know little intoxicated from fraternity parties and blaring uh, <laughs> golden girls at all hours of the night. So it was fun to relive those moments with my, <laughs> with my freshman roommate, Amanda, um, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, Amanda's from Corsicana. Anna, oh, do you know what? The Cheer oh, documentary yes. on Netflix. So, yeah, for those of you who have a Netflix subscription, Cheer is based in uh, Navarro Community College, which is in Corsicana, and that's where my freshman roommate is from. And surprise, surprise, secrets revealed, Amanda, I found out at a wedding in Dallas where a bunch of Canna, Canna folks, and that's that's the, oh, okay. that's what you that's say, Canna, Canna, yeah, uh-huh. um, that Laura Dern and Will Ferrell are filming a movie about the Corsicana Fruitcake Company. And the accountant that ran off with millions of dollars from us from the Collins Street Bakery fruitcake company. So, oh. if you're a fan of Cheer, get look How forward. Intriguing. Yes, of course, yes. Canna has so much of course, to the offer. Canna, the Canna. So it's about to become <laughs> it's about to become a hot spot in Texas. That's all I have to say. Yeah. All right. Well, those are all the updates that we <laughs> <laughs> nine months of our lives condensed uh, into <laughs> ten minutes, but we're fine. Um, all right. So what's been happening? So I think um, so how these episodes, we're going to talk a little bit about what's on our mind, something that that's recently happened in Tennessee and across the South and talk about how it's influencing our lives, like our thoughts and then kind of walking through, you know, what it what it looks like for us and, and um, moving on to our grits gratitude corner. So I wanted to bring up. So last week uh, we so in the state of Tennessee, we have 
pretty terrible policy. We're the we're the we're ground zero for most terrible policies: healthcare, uh, right to work, uh, labor, uh, environment. I mean, we are a breeding ground for terrible, terrible policies. Education, Edu- <laughs> education, yeah. So, so it came out. Um, so our Republican governor, uh, who is extremely religious, um, very Republican, ended up adopting uh, as a statewide policy 12 weeks of paid family leave. And for those of you who may not know, this is a very progressive policy, which I think was striking for most of us involved in, in the progressive space in Tennessee that our Republican governor would feel it necessary to, um, with his executive authority, create a policy that in that basically offered state workers up to 12 pay, twelve weeks paid family leave. And what was really even more interesting is that, so, you know, all these, you know, all of my friends were like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, all the organizations were lauding the, the action. And then we found out that our progressive cities, so, you know, oftentimes there's this rural-urban divide, but our blue cities like Chattanooga, Knoxville, Nashville, some of them didn't even offer anything. So, for example, Knoxville... FMLA leave is unpaid leave. City Chattanooga recognizes that uh, maybe there there might not be. In Memphis, in 2018, solid, our employees have 10 to 25 days of vacation per year. There's not really any uh, paid family leave built into their policy. In Nashville's is paid family leave provides an, an employee with up to 30 work days, typically six weeks of leave to take care of a spouse. So here we were, our, you know, once again, a Republican governor, Executive authority, twelve weeks paid family leave, and then our blue cities who don't even offer um, maybe maybe crumbs of what that policy was. It's striking that in twenty twenty that this is what we're having to deal with, and I'm just curious your thoughts about it. So we are the only ones without some type of standard federal uh, paid leave policy, and it is such a huge barrier to women um, staying in the workplace after starting a family, and. In big cities, as you said, there is an urban-rural divide. You know, I talk to rural mothers who oftentimes it doesn't make sense for them to work because of transportation issues mm-hmm. and because of lack of economic opportunity in their areas. And, you know, for what they would make, um, child care is just as expensive. But in big cities, um, especially here in Nashville, our child care uh, costs are through the roof. So why, I mean, why? Like- it's, just surpri- it's just surprising that... Um, you know, in a place that that is economically booming, there are we're about to outpace the people, um, the job spots open versus people looking for work. So we're about to to um, reach a point when all these new businesses open um, or new companies relocate or open offices here in the next year or so. Um, we're going to reach a point where there's not enough people to take the job. So of course you would want women to be in the work. Um, workforce in the workforce and so it's kind of surprising that um it's not that the state hasn't stayed and the cities haven't stayed competitive well it's also it's just from a it is it is so difficult the environment in which we create as a country and municipalities is not sympathetic towards child rearing at all or caregiving or caregiving or caregiving in general yeah and i think like I, i look at my friends who are having a lot of my friends are having children right now and it's I it's really a struggle to find child care I mean we don't we we don't offer universal child care we don't offer stipends for new families um and in in other developed countries which are 
actually experiencing really low birth weights right now. They're incentivizing child rearing by making policies more sympathetic towards mothers and child care. So I'm curious, um, you know, what what does that look like, you know, for our friends that are having kids right now? Like, what do what do progressive family policies look like? I mean, just some of the countries that you're talking about, like they offer up to like a year. Um, which let's is do just... Let's do a little... Oh, okay, I've got a little a wheel here. Mapping paid maternity leave. Think progress. Thank you. We'll put it in the show notes. Guess how many weeks United Kingdom paid family leave? Mm. Ding, 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 12? 16 weeks? 40. 40. Wow. Anna, how many... Is that almost a year? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 52 weeks. Um, okay, let's do, closer let's, to a year than to twelve. Let's do another country. Okay, here we go. Um, oh, Vietnam. Do 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 twenty six. So as you yeah, can we're see, getting smoked. <laughs> we're, we're getting smoked. It, it's it's really it's it's really sad. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. A budget shows your values and if it's not a part of a budget um of an organization or a state then you're showing that you do not value women staying in the workplace there's a lot of really good research and policy briefs and we don't claim to be experts on family leave policies and what's most effective but I have read some interesting stuff about trying to increase equity in caregiving and um in some progressive countries, they're trying to make sure that men take paternal leave at similar rates mm. as women taking um, maternity leave. And so um, I've read a few anecdotes and, and stories of, you know, where the woman takes the first part so that she can breastfeed and be with the baby and bond with the baby at the beginning. And that, um, you know, they, newborns come have waves. I'm not a mother, but, <laughs> but I know there's like you know, four months sleep regression and, and things happen. They start teething. Like they go through a lot right, of stuff the in, the, fir- in that, the first right. year of yeah, life. Yeah. And so if you could have, um, you know, one, one parent take the first six months and the second person, the second parent take the, take the other six months, then I can see, um, how that would normalize it in the workplace for both men and women to be out of the office for that time. So it doesn't seem like a ding against the mother in her career. Um, because I can see, even if you have these policies, the uptake in them, I would be curious to see how that affects a woman's trajectory as far as like her earnings and her ability to move up the ladder at work. Like that, that's always interesting. Well, I feel like as, as young women in the South, when we're job searching or negotiating contracts for positions that it's not really like, unless you are, you know, it's not something that I would ask about, mm-hmm. um, you know, and choose a job based on sympathetic family leave policy and what that looks like for young mothers. But it's something that I think as an organizer um, and as an activist, like we really have an opportunity here in this country to to talk about what type of policy, progressive policies we want to see as young women. And I think mm-hmm. we have you know, as, as birther, you know, as women who can give birth, men and women who who can give birth, we can maybe leverage that as collective bargaining, which is the basis of this book that I'm not, um, I've just started reading, but uh, called Birth Strike, um, and how we can really leverage collective bargaining when it comes to, um, having children in this country. And so, for example, like, I'm not going to give birth until the United States government concedes ABCD. What do you think about that? 
seems <laughs> a little much for is me. It? Is it? It's an interesting thought exercise because I was, as we started this conversation, I hadn't thought about this before, but I'm thinking about like the amount of people that don't have access to proper like sick leave and and right. even just like minimum wage being so not a livable wage. Like I'm thinking like as much as I you don't have to it doesn't have to be either or but um I'm just thinking about the amount of things that can make us a more progressive and and inclusive economy Mm. and Mm. like because it's better when everyone's involved and that's the thing it's like and even in advocacy you know I struggle with when I'm organizing events we don't provide child care mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, and I see, um, a lot of, uh, we have a reproductive justice organization that's led by, um, you know, the movement's led by black women, but in, in most of their programming, they offer childcare and, mm-hmm. it, and it's a staple of being able to make sure that mothers and children and the family units are included in whatever advocacy is taking place. And that's something that I really struggle with in my organizing, which is, you know, creating opportunities for young mothers to get involved. Like, what does that look like since, you know, childcare or, um, you know, how can I make things more accessible to young women who are having kids? And I just don't think one, our corporate infrastructure does that at all. Even our, even the nonprofit space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of room to grow in as far as like who is attracted into, um, doing advocacy that, you know, I think a lot of people are attracted to advocacy because they have to be for their survival and for, and to fight for, their right to exist and to, (laughs) and to thrive. Um, and then I think some people, um, I would count myself in this would be the, the more privileged aspect of, you know, if I have the capability to, to do this work and to, uh, protect myself from burnout and all that, then I should be, I should be fighting for, for a more just society because I have the ability to do it. So I think there are a lot of things that we can do in the nonprofit and volunteer space to value the people that have the lived experiences that inform what we're fighting for. Because um, I've never worked at a place without paid family leave. And Mm, um, mm. I've never uh, worked a minimum wage job even. Um, I've had low-paying jobs, but I haven't had a minimum wage job. And so... Um, you can't advocate properly without talking to people in that space and you have to make it possible for them to be um, in conversation with you by providing things like childcare and um, reimbursing for transportation costs and, and things like that. This happened in Tennessee, which, which is why it's at the forefront of my mind. But um, as the presidential uh, election takes, takes shape, um, you know, please look into the candidates and how they stand on these issues. And I'm, I'm looking at right now, you know, the types of candidates that support, for example, broad paid family leave up to 12 weeks, which as we, which is what we're talking about. Um, Elizabeth Warren, Klobuchar, um, Buttigieg, several months of paid leave, Sanders, uh, Andrew Yang. So, you know, we have the opportunity in this presidential election to really talk about what what pro-family policies and to, and, and to take back, you know, the pro-life theme from the Republicans, which are mm-hmm. making sympathetic family policies is it's a, it's a progress through a progressive lens is, is pro-life. It is pro-family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, go ahead. What do you think about 
the motivations of Bill Lee to do this. And I'm also thinking about other people in this space, like Ivanka Trump. And like, I, I, I mean, it seems like it's growing as, uh, weirdly it's growing as like a, um, a more popular policy change. And I don't know if it's like people that are thinking more business minded that it's actually good for the business, which it is. But like, I think we come in it as a, from a humanity standpoint. So I'm like, I'm just like wondering what you think about like motivations for, for the policy. And if it's like, it's just a, is there a sense of inevitability or. I mean, I would, I would hope so. I think Bill Lee probably, and this is just unique for our governor. I think he, I think he listens to people that are within his inner circle. And I would, I, I might assume that someone within that circle became pregnant um, and this was a barrier that they that this family experienced. And as a result, he felt like he needed to um, he needed to create a new policy. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'm just yeah. thinking like, yeah. like um, a I mean, personal experience. Yeah, or- because he's been really you know, he talks about criminal. Ju- he, one of his policy platforms is criminal justice reform because he worked in prisons. And I think mm-hmm. he really has. Um, and and, you know, more so, I think I, I'm sure that's what happened. And I'm curious to see now if Republican governors across the country with a very, you know, a red trifecta state like Tennessee, you know, maybe it, maybe it is, it creates a ripple effect to, you know, Republican governments across the country, um, to make things better for families. And I'm, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be curious to look in to see like, where's their movement on this? Like, did someone talk about it at, you know, the national Governors Association, or like even like well, Alec, I'm, Alec, the, uh, like the far right, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Americans for Prosperity or something was like whispering about paid family leave. Um, doubt it, but yeah, I'd be curious to see like what the roots of it are. But I definitely think it's the start of a conversation, in that you know a city can call itself blue because they say you know everyone's welcome here, but it doesn't mean that the actual policies are in place that. Um, that make it possible for women to participate in the workforce in the same um, in the same way. Well, and for those of you listening, I mean, I just like for as a thought exercise, like listen, you know, think about what pre like universal pre K would look like, or universal free lunch for families, universal childcare, you know. And you can you you know, there's a critique about expanding the powers of government, um, but we've really only seen in this country large, I mean, massive reform when it came to, for example, the New Deal. And when the government, you know, stretched and became responsible for managing these these universal programs. Um, and I just, I, I, especially in a state like Tennessee, I don't see an outlet besides the federal government enacting these types of policies to become, um, to, to create a different narrative about what we want to see for um, sympathetic family policies in this country. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts about it? Um, I hope to see more from, you know, I never know with Billy. I think I just wanted to go over a little bit of like what's been happening in the last uh, few weeks. But the legislature on the first day that it opened passed a bill um, that would allow adoption Ugh. agencies to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. discriminate yeah. against um, uh, same-sex parents in adoption, in the adoption process, private adoption agencies. Um, but with the amount of children in care of the state rising, every year. Um, this is really, really problematic, not just the hateful part, but it's, you know, it's 
not only a solution in search of a problem, but it will actively um, prevent children from being in safe and loving homes. Um, well, in the, juxt- in the juxtaposition of, in the same week, the governor signing this 12 weeks paid family policy. Right. So it's like, you you know, you give with one hand and you take with the other. It just, and he uh, went out on a political limb to, to announce that he was going to accept refugees. And this comes from, you know, it's, animated by his Christian faith and mm, and mm, like mm. you said like these these people around to him can really influence what he thinks and then in the next week he um and that and that really put him in hot water with a lot of people especially the legislators who um yeah anyway so the next week it seems like it was a little bit of a political give and take on the refugees on one hand and then on the other hand he announces that the heartbeat bill is going to be his you know his Making focus. abortion totally illegal in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. That seems to be part of his personal beliefs, too. But I, I just it's just interesting to well, see the plurality, the, the plurality. Yeah, and I think, and I think yeah. talking to voters at the door, which, you know, I love a good canvassing story and I'm sure 2020 will be ripe with them. But the plurality of people and their policy positions and their politics never ceases to amaze me. And I think mm-hmm. like. You know, it's really important as um, progressives, especially when your Republican representatives do something good that you need to, you know, you need to applaud them and, and say thank you and then try to pivot from that conversation and shift to like why something that they're doing that is destructive towards families like, you know, not allowing gay couples to adopt children, um, you know, how they're how that's not reflective of the move that they just made, I mm-hmm. guess. So, yeah. All right. Well, so hopefully you learned a little bit. Um, all right, Anna, what are you grateful for? I am grateful for online shopping. <laughs> Is that okay? Wait, um, I thought you were going to reveal a secret. Oh, I was going to reveal a secret. I forgot. I, I meant to do it in the updates. So it can be Grit's secret corner. Oh, we'll have a Grit's. We'll have a secret of Grit corner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was, I was saving, I was saving this information because I actually don't know how Afton's going to react. Um, and so she's never heard this before. Um, so if some of y'all know, I am now the communications director at my organization. And so I'm getting, getting to dream about all the new and big things that I'm doing. And I'm actually starting a podcast <laughs> for work. <laughs> But so it won't take away from grits, and it'll be different subject matter. <laughs> but I knew that this would that this would um, that maybe there would be a reaction to this. Well, I'm excited. I yeah, can't, I yeah. love listening to you talk. And it I think will be um, fun. It won't be me talking all the time. It will Is it be just going to be other you? voices. Uh, no, I'm going to be interviewing people and. I don't know. We'll see. That's great. Well, well you'll bring all the lots the, of storytelling, lots external of external knowledge that you. You gain from from doing another podcast into this one. It's yeah, just, it's just going to be better. It's going to be a better podcast. No, no, this will be always be where my heart is. Oh, but this, the other will be a work a work thing. You get paid um, to do it, this but hopefully it'll teach me like I'll carve out a little bit more space like during the workday to learn more about podcasting and and how to make this better <laughs> and everything. Um, a better listener and user experience. Okay, but back to online shopping. Okay, I've actually yeah. always been, like, shy of online shopping. I don't know why. Like, I just, I think the plastic's wasteful, and I, I'm always scared someone's going to, like, take the packages because you see, like, all the horror stories all the time of things getting stolen. But with the wedding and everything, like, it has been such a help to 
oh, to yeah. online shop. And also, like, with our registry, like, we've already started getting gifts, which is just, like, I wasn't even thinking we were going to get gifts yet. Oh, and that's then I'm fun. Like, oh, yeah. Like, so we just, like, come home. There's always, like, gifts on the... <gasps> I want to get married. No, like, no, take it back. Well, Scratch it. Chris, are you listening? No, 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 no. <laughs> so I'm grateful for online shopping. That's a little vapid, but you know. We're here. We're here for it. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for, so I, when I first moved to Nashville, I signed up uh, to a local yoga studio for a year subscription, um, a year pass, and I ended up not, so I went all through 2018, and then I stopped going for an entire year, wow. and finally for my birthday, I um, was able to get the money in order to repurchase the yearly subscription, and I, you know, I walked in, and the, I saw the, the, the first time, and the owner was like, she, she kind of looked at me, and she said, it's been a while, huh? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been a year, and it's just, it's, it's really, it makes me sad to think that something I love practicing so much and something that gives me so much in return that you just don't make time and space for um which is why you know I want to make grits a priority and yoga but I'm very grateful for my yoga studio because it's just it's such a a place of zen and I especially being in progressive politics which is soul-crushing work most days um, I need a place that I can take refuge um and so I'm very grateful for my yoga practice so all right. What we'll do is, uh, if you're interested in reading more about um, the you know paid family leave and pro family policies, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, and we'll also keep tabs on ways to get involved with organizations that are doing this type of work, like a Better Balance. Uh, um, but they're the ones. It's it's full of attorneys who are at the legislature lobbying for for better policies for women, especially mm-hmm. pregnant women. So um, we'll we'll put a plug in for them. Um, to, yeah, they to just get were talking about uh, pregnant workers. Oh, yeah. The rights of pregnant, pregnant workers. workers That's right. super interesting. Yeah, we can do a deep dive into that. All right. Well, 2020, we're kicking off, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye.